Hello and welcome to Half-Blind Hecklers episode 39. Here at the Half-Blind Hecklers, we may be blind, but we can still see the truth. So, we've got a bit of an interesting show. It's going to be a shorter show because later on today is the presidential debate. And I'm going to be live tweeting it with several of my counterparts, including the one you can see. And then we're going to do a live stream reaction for all of you in the aftermath. Tell you how it went, how we thought it could have been improved, how we thought it went better than or worse than other debates. So follow along, interact with us, we'll have a grand old time. So today we're going to cover a few things. First thing we're going to cover is Hunter Biden's business partner calls the emails genuine says that Hunter sought dad's advice on deals. And then we'll be reading his statement about all of that. Then we're gonna have a follow-up to what we said on Tuesday about the anti-corruption committee and how the PM has won the backing of the opposition party to avoid snap election. Crap. We'll also go over the electoral map from Canada just so that people who don't understand can have a better understanding. And then finally, we're going to go over and we're going to say, meet your Facebook censors that are from China. That's great. So we'll go over that in just a second. All right, let's dive right in. So first story, Hunter Biden business partner calls email genuine, says Hunter sought dad's advice on deals. Tony Bobolinsky, who was listed as the recipient of an email published in the New York Post that appeared to detail a business arrangement involving a Chinese company and members of the Biden family, has confirmed that the email is genuine and provided more information regarding Biden's role in the deal. <clears throat> the email includes a note that Hunter had some office expectations that he will elaborate a proposed equity split, references 20 for H and 10 held by H for the big guy, with no further details. Uh, the reference to the big guy in that email is in fact a reference to Joe Biden, Bobolinsky said in a statement to Fox News. Bobolinsky said he's the CEO of Sinohawk Holdings, which he explained is a partnership between the Chinese operating through CEFC Chairman Yi and the Biden family. He said he was brought on as CEO by Hunter Biden and Jim Gilliar, who was listed as the sender of the email. He went on to say he does not believe Joe Biden's past claim that he and Hunter did not discuss his son Hunter's business, claiming that Hunter frequently referenced him, asking for a sign-off on advice or various potential deals. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars from foreign entities, even though some of them were from communist-controlled China, he added. He also believes that the Chinese involvement in the deal was political or influence investment on their part and that Hunter wanted to use the company as his personal piggy bank by just taking money out of it as soon as it came from the Chinese. Of course, Fox News reached out to Biden for comment, did not immediately respond. And some have claimed the information was not legitimate, that it was part of a Russian disinformation scheme, but the director of national intelligence pushed back saying there's no intelligence that supports that. Bobolinsky said the information he relayed was not part of any disinformation campaign. Any suggestion to the contrary is false and offensive. So I'm going to read his full statement. So, Bobolinsky's statement in full. My name is Tony Bobolinsky. 
The facts set forth below are true and accurate. They are not any form of domestic or foreign disinformation. Any suggestion to the contrary is false and offensive. I am the recipient of the email published seven days ago by the New York Post, which showed a copy to Hunter Biden and Rob Walker. That email is genuine. This email, this afternoon, I received a request from the Senate Committee of Homeland Security and Government Affairs on the Senate Committee on Financing requesting all documents relating to my business affairs of the Biden family, as well as various foreign entities and individuals. I have extensive relevant records and communications, and I intend to produce those items to both committees in the immediate future. I am the grandson of a 37-year Army intelligence officer, the son of a 20-plus-year career naval officer, and the brother of a 28-year career naval flight officer. I myself served our country for four years and left the Navy as Lieutenant Bobolinsky. I held a high-level security clearance and was an instructor and then CTO for Naval Nuclear Power Training Command. I take great pride in the time my family and I serve this country. I'm also not a political person. What few campaign contributions I've made in my life were to Democrats. If the media and big tech companies had done their jobs over the past several weeks, I would be irrelevant to the story. Given my long-standing service and devotion to this country, I would no longer allow my family's names to be associated or tied with Russian disinformation or implied lies and false narratives dominating the media. After leaving the military, I became an institutional investor, investing extensively around the world and on every continent. I have traveled over 50 countries. I believe, hands down, we live in the greatest country in the world. What I am outlining is fact. I know it is fact because I lived it. I am the CEO of Sinohawk Holdings, which is a partnership between the Chinese operating through CEFC, Chairman Yi, and the Biden family. I was brought into the company by the CEO, by James Gillier and Hunter Biden. The reference to the big guy in the much-publicized email is a reference to Joe Biden. The other JB in that email is Jim Biden, Joe's brother. Hunter Biden called his dad the big guy or my chairman and frequently referenced asking him for a sign-off and advice or various potential deals that we're discussing. I've seen Vice President Biden say he never talked to Hunter about his business. I've seen firsthand that that's not true because it wasn't just Hunter's business. They say we're putting the Biden family name and its legacy on the line. I realized the Chinese were not really focused on a healthy financial ROI. They were looking at this as a political or influence investment. Once I realized that Hunter wanted to use the company as his personal piggy bank by just taking money out of it as soon as it came from the Chinese, I took steps to prevent that from happening. The Johnson report connected some dots in a way that shocked me and made me realize the buttons had gone behind my back and gotten paid millions of dollars by the Chinese, even though they told me they hadn't and wouldn't do that to their partners. I would ask the Biden family to address the American people and outline the facts so that I can go back to being irrelevant and so that I am not put in a position to have to answer these questions for them. <laughs> I don't have a political axe to grind. I just saw behind the Biden curtain and grew concerned with what I saw. The Biden family aggressively leveraged the Biden family name to make millions of dollars and foreign, from foreign entities, even though some of them were from communist-controlled China. God bless America. That's crazy. That's crazy. Now, of course, most of us had known for a while that Biden family was, but Joe Biden himself, the Biden family was not debunking that these emails existed, that they were legitimate, that the computer was legitimate. They were only saying that this was a Russian disinformation campaign, even though there's no evidence to say that. So this just adds more fuel to the fire. And Joe Biden, by not commenting on it, and I'm fairly sure he's not commenting on it because he knows that there's more coming out and that his handlers know that there's more coming out. So they don't want to have him say something that's immediately debunked, that's immediately cast aside and proved as false, and that it can be made very, very clear that Joe Biden is a liar. Now, of course, Joe Biden is a liar, and he is a corrupt politician, and that's very, very clear. And that the reality of this is that Joe Biden should be made exempt. He should be made exempt, and he should be taken off the ballot because he should be involved in an active criminal investigation.
right now. He should be involved in an active criminal investigation. It should at least be investigated. The, the hint that there is serious criminal liability to the Biden family is significant enough that he should be held under investigation and that he should be cast off and replaced and he should no longer be in contention for the presidency. To be continued, a continued contender for the presidency while all of this is coming out, which is actually clear criminal acts and clear corruption that he undertook as the vice president of the United States should remove him from all public office and that he should be withdrawn and investigated fully and, of course, likely sent to prison for what he did along with his son because that is criminal liability. Anyways, I didn't really want to do a whole lot of talk about this because there's still more that's going to come out and I don't want to be covering this every single day and doing over and over and over and over again. But I felt that this was big enough to share because it's just that extra level of confirmation. Because he was, this guy was mentioned in the emails and now he's confirming. So it's just extra levels of verified information. So, on the 24th, which is this Saturday, uh, Rudy Giuliani said that he would release kind of the bombshell. So, to make sure that you guys and that my listeners and my viewers have the available information, uh, I'm going to go over it on Saturday. I'm going to have a special, hopefully. I'm actually going to have two specials on Saturday, I hope, as long as everything works out as far as timing. Uh, the first special, of course, will be concerning the Rudy Giuliani release. And the second special, I'm hoping to have it, and I'm hoping all parties involved can get together and have this discussion. And I'm going to try and moderate a debate about systematic racism. So that'll be Saturday. Okay, next stories, the next few stories are going to be shorter. But this is kind of a follow-up of what I talked about on Tuesday. So on Tuesday, the Liberals threatened a snap election in response to this anti-corruption committee that the Conservatives had proposed. So, Prime Minister Justin Trudeau survived a confidence vote on Wednesday after a key opposition party backed his ruling. Uh, the Liberals avoiding, averting the chance of a snap election as the coronavirus outbreak worsens. Legislators voted 180 to 40, 146 against a motion from the Conservatives, Trudeau's main rivals, to set up a committee with wide-ranging powers to probe whether the government improperly handled contracts, handed contracts to friends as it battled the pandemic earlier this year. Trudeau won only a minority of seats in the House of Commons in an election a year ago and needed the support of other lawmakers to survive. The left-leaning New Democrats backed the Liberals, saying the House should keep working to help can Canadians harmed by the pandemic. What's the federal government honestly been doing? <laughs> like, the federal government just kind of stands by. It's like, wear your masks, socially distance, the border's still closed because we're a bunch of cowards. Like, honestly, the federal government has done nothing. Like, the federal government, unlike the United States, the federal government here in Canada tried to get PPE. We shipped it in from Canada, and they sent us empty sea cans. They sent us faulty tests. They sent us faulty masks. The federal government should be called out openly. But, of course, the media here in Canada is even more compliant to the left than in the States. I know. That's scary. It's the truth. 
The results on the anniversary of last year's election means Canadians will be spared from going to the polls again. Oh, I wanted that. It's not being spared. It's being saved. As the country faces a second wave of COVID-19 infections. It is barely worse than the flu. Honestly, the real virus is fear. Liberal House leader Pablo Rodriguez, in charge of negotiating with other parties, welcomed the end to what he called a ridiculous and abusive conservative motion. Yes, investigating corruption is ridiculous and abusive. My gosh, the Liberals are crazy. Parliament chose to back Canadians rather than political gains, he told reporters, saying that he had no, made no concessions to the New Democrats to win their support. Both parties compete for the same center-left segment. Center-left. My butt. They are far-left. Yeah, the New Democrats and the Liberals have already made their concessions. That's why the Liberals already proposed a changing to employment insurance so that you don't need to be working and you don't need to actually have been fired to claim employment insurance. You just get it because it's a form of universal basic income. Canada will collapse. Get out while you can. Oh my gosh, get out while you can. Like, as soon as my wife finishes school, we're leaving. Without a single, single doubt, we are leaving. More than 70% of Canadians say they do not want a snap election during the pandemic. More than, honestly, Canadians are illiterate, almost. They're illiterate. Majority of Canadians are just dumb as posts. The fact that we had millions of people vote for Trudeau after he already had a corruption scandal, and after the We Charity scandal, and 70% of Canadians said they do not want a snap election? Honestly, Canadians have one of the lowest IQs in the entire world. We are a dumb populace. We are a dumb people. I'm tired of defending Canada. I used to be a Canadian patriot. I used to defend my country. I used to love my country. I hate my country. My country is a garbage fire. It is awful. A dumpster fire. Sorry. But this is, of course, an election map from the previous federal election in 2019. So the reds are the liberals, the orange are the NDP, the dark blue are the conservatives, and the lighter blue are called the Bloc Québécois, which is a separatist party. Now, it might look, of course, that the Liberals don't contain a lot of power, but like in the United States, when you zoom in, you have Liberal strongholds. Well, I don't want to zoom in on Illinois, necessarily. You have liberal strongholds in the cities. This is all Toronto, and then this is all the rural areas of, it, of Ontario. And then you move further east, then you have the Liberal strongholds. In you have the liberal strongholds in Montreal, you have the liberal strongholds in Ottawa, and these cities, and of course you have a liberal stronghold in Vancouver out here. But these major cities control the Canadian federal election. And Unlike the American election, where 
there's kind of an equal split between the states, and at least they have representative elections, the West is screwed. And so when we say, okay, we want fair representation for the West, which of course we do, and any rational person should, but we don't have equal representation in any way. Quebec has more seats than three or four provinces combined that have equivalent population. Like Canada is set up so unfairly because it's based on systems that were put in place when the populations were much different. I'm totally in form of a representative democracy where we have split groups, but there has to be even split groups based on the population. We can't just have, okay, Quebec has the same amount of population as Alberta and Saskatchewan, but they have three times the seats. Quebec basically decides the election every single time. And because Trudeau is a Quebecer, and has said essentially that he would favor Quebec over other provinces, he they vote for him. Like a bunch of brainwashed fools, but they vote for him. And at this point, yeah, I, I might have been a Canadian patriot then, but I'm an Alberta patriot. I love my province. My province is great. It's strong. It's made of young, educated voters. And that's why the entire thing basically is blue. I like Saskatchewan too, but go further out east. Who votes for this? <laughs> Honestly, like I don't mind rural, rural Ontario deep seems reasonable, but the city of Toronto is awful. Okay, last news story we're gonna cover. Meet your Facebook Chinese censors, yay. So, of course, as we know, China is one of the most censorious societies on Earth. So what better place for Facebook to recruit social media <laughs> Oh, boy. There are at least half a dozen Chinese nationals who are working on censorship, a former Facebook insider told me last week. So at some point, the Facebook bosses thought, hey, we're going to get them H-1B visas so they can do this work. The insider shared an internal directory of the team that does much of this work. It's called Hate Speech Engineering, George Orwell. Oh boy. Most of its members are based at Facebook offices in Seattle. Many have PhDs, and their work is extremely complex, involving machine learning, teachers, computers, how to learn and act without being explicitly programmed. That's nice. When it comes to censorship, it means teaching the Facebook code so that it can, certain content ends up at the top in your newsfeed, a feat that earns the firm software wizards discretionary bonuses per the X insider. What? It means that certain content ends up at the top of your newsfeed, and if they manage to do that, they get discretionary bonuses? Oh boy. Like, of course, the New York Post report on Biden's Island CV links, just like we just talked about. To illustrate the mechanics, the insider took me as his typical Facebook user. They take what so Rob, this person who's writing this article says, they see, say what they see is, and they throw the newsfeed list in a machine learning algorithm and neural networks that determine the ranking of the items. Facebook engineers test hundreds of different iterations of the rankings to shape an optimal outcome and root up what the bosses call borderline content. 
It all makes her perhaps the most chillingly sophisticated censorship mechanism in human history. What they don't do is ban a specific pro-Trump hashtag. Instead, content that is a little too conservative, they will downrank. You can't tell it's censored. I won't share the names of the Facebook employees in question. The point isn't to spotlight individuals, but to show how foreign nationals from a state that still bans Facebook. Why would Facebook, why would China ban Facebook? Facebook is exceptionally pro-China. <laughs> Have their hands and levers on social media censorship here in America. The hate speech engineering team staff includes a research scientist based at the Seattle office who earned his master's degree in computer engineering from a Chinese academy, academy of sciences in Beijing. Another member of the team uh, earned his master's degree in computer science from Jilin University in Northeast China. Still another, an engineering manager earned his bachelor's in computer science at Nanjing University in Eastern China. My goodness. Plenty of big time Forbes, of course. Uh, recruit their foreign specialists from China, India, and elsewhere in order these workers hope to resettle in the United States permanently and share the American dream, but some may not. The trouble is the society they might return to already employs one of the comprehensive and fine-tuned intellectual control mechanisms in their own population. What is to stop Facebook's Chinese engineering from delivering their Facebook expeditions to Xi? Globalists thought that engaging with China would make the country more open, but it's definitely making this more restrictive. So... At this point, when it comes to Facebook and Twitter and all of these massive big tech social media information platforms, Google, Facebook, Twitter, YouTube, at this point, we have to just say, okay, yes, you're not responsible for your co you're not responsible for your comments section, which I think is called section 230. However, if you are caught in any way censoring material that is not threatening, that is not insightful, and that is, and if you are caught censoring material that is material that is blatantly that is going to be for a certain political candidate because it is against another political candidate, and if you censor that, then you will get strikes. And like baseball, three strikes are out, and of course. If I was in control, Facebook, Twitter would already not exist. They're disgusting. They're controlling the minds of millions, if not billions of people. And they need to be shut down and either retooled or completely dismantled. I like free speech, but these companies are not for free speech. They are for utmost censorship and control. So, I'm totally down for taking them off. I encourage people to seek out Facebook and Twitter alternatives. Of course, Twitter has Parler, which my many followers on there know that I'm fairly active on that channel, on that platform, and I like Parler because they don't censor anybody. That's great. Uh, Facebook doesn't have too many great alternatives. I've heard some people talk about MeWe. I've tried it. It's not amazing. If it gets better, then maybe. I don't like the idea of a subscription-based platform. And then as far as YouTube, we've been trying with NewTube. Unfortunately, with NewTube, unless you're subscribed to it, you can't upload anything larger than 500 megabytes, 
which as most of our videos are over an hour in length, means that most of our longer videos can't be uploaded. And of course, if I edit them at all, to put in different segments like interviews and discussions, then they're way over that limit. So it just makes for a really annoying process. Uh, if they had upped it to say 1.5 gigs or 2 gigs, then that'd be much easier to upload content. I'd be even fine with paying like a $2 maybe a monthly subscription fee. I think their current subscription fee is $5, which I'm not a huge fan of. But, like, I understand why they're doing it and that they want to actually make some money off of it because they're basically ditching their full-time job. But right now, not feasible. So if you can, avoid these big techs. Seek smaller, try and seek, seek open source code. If you don't know what that is, ask the blind one. He will tell you, go on and on and on about what it is. And he loves open source coding. Anyways, so furthermore, uh, we're, as I said earlier, we're going to talk about the debate. So tonight, of course, is the final presidential debate between Joe Biden and Donald Trump. So for this debate, we're not going to do a live stream. Uh, we've determined that not enough people are watching the live stream. We're not getting great feedback from it that we're kind of, of course, distracting from what's going on in the debate. So we decided that it'd be better to have more of an interactive session that we would have a live stream, not a live stream, but a live tweet or a live parlay on Parler. And so that's going to be up. We're going to start that about 7 p.m. Mountain Time, 9 p.m. Eastern, around the same time as the debate. And we encourage you to interact, to ask questions, to comment on our threads, and just generally have a great time. And I think there's going to be five of us watching the debate. And those who are watching who are on Parlor, I will tag them all, and we can all have a collective collaborative discussion. And then afterwards, we're going to live stream everything. And we'll live stream the reaction of every person individually watching and see how they felt. And I hope that people will interact with these comments and ask us questions as we're going along. We're hoping just to have a really fun time with it. So looking forward to tonight. Hope to see you all there. Anyways, so that is the end of today's episode. I know it's an earlier episode than usual, but of course, later tonight is the debate, and we just wanted to get a quick news segment out there. And yeah, so if you're on YouTube, like, share, subscribe, comment, feeds the algorithm. And as you can tell from some other videos, I try and get back to everybody as much as I can, unless people are putting in ridiculous things that I won't engage. But that is what it is. Uh, if you were on Facebook, I know that I already said I don't like Facebook, but we're still on it because there's no better alternative. So, yeah, if you're on Facebook, like, share, comment. If you are on Parler, echo, follow, comment. And, of course, if you're on any of our podcast platforms, feel free to download our podcasts, to give us favorites, 
upvotes, whatever it is that increases the spread of our message. We also have a crowdfunding so that we can make our content better. We can get better subscription services. We can get better video editing. And then we can just better make better content, make more content. Because we want to have an active audience. We want to have the best content for you guys. So I might even start doing Among Us streams where I trigger some libs with names like Vote Trump or Kami Kamala. <laughs> it makes for some really interesting times, believe me. <laughs> lots of triggered people, lots of them. Anyway, thank you for watching. Thank you for listening. Have a great day. And I shall see you guys tonight. God bless.